Hey, you know, uh, welcome to the protectors. Kevin and I are probably just going to talk for about 30 minutes before the interview. So we figured, Hey, let's, let's hit start. Let's hit record and let's talk. Kevin is the epitome of what I would call a quiet professional, the quiet warrior. I don't think being on podcasts like this and, and being in social media is, uh, kind of like a, a common theme for him. And when you talk to people like this, talk to people like Kevin, you talk to people like Mike and everything, you could tell their background has always been the quiet professional. You could find a handful of pictures of them back when they were quote unquote operating, but you don't really find a lot of them being outspoken and being, Hey, you know what? I'm a hua hua guy. I've been there, done that. And I, uh, you know, I, I can shoot a uh, fly's ass from 5,000 meters more than any Canadian. So I have Kevin on today. We're going to talk, we're going to chat. We're just going to have like a, a good protectors discussion. Kevin, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, thanks bro. Yeah, we were talking about, you know, what the about protectors and, you know, the protectors to me has like just it's shifted over the years before, you know, you and I both protect our nation, protect our country, protect our constitution, uh, protect the people within. And now protecting is like a big family oriented thing. Like the training I want to do is like, hey, you know what? I want to protect my family. Mm hmm. So let's talk about that, brother. Let's talk about the importance of protecting our family and what we should kind of jump into when we want to start doing that. Yeah, if you look at um, – so I, I've been on board with Field Crop Survival now almost a year. I, I, I retired in April of 2020 uh, after 24 years in the U.S. military and uh, you know, got my truck in, in January. I started terminal leave, got my truck, drove out, met Mike in Colorado. I'd come out a couple of times in uh, 19 and, and ran some courses for him. And I've known Mike for, for 17 years, I think. And we, we run a team together and uh, we, we've known each other for a long time. So I came out, ran some courses and then I officially came on board and this time last year, almost exactly a year ago. So, um, in that time, like even in that one year period, and it was a unique year, um, we, we've evolved and, and we, we've uh, we've almost completely morphed into, into almost a different company, right? We were constantly changing, constantly adjusting. And some people, you know, that have worked for the company find that uh, tough to handle, but it's a good way to be. You, you, you got to keep keep moving with the pulse of the of the, the country. And uh, over the last year, people like a year ago, if you talked about bugging out, then people thought you were a right wing, crazy yeah. conspiracy guy with tinfoil hat and all that. But now you talk about bugging out. If you live in one of these cities, that's um, not to get political, but especially a city that's run by a Democrat, where the police may not come if something happens and, and you may have to upgrade your situation then if you're not thinking about that, you're, you're doing a disservice to your family. So in the last year, we've morphed a little bit. We still, uh, we, we almost have, you know, split the company in two. On one side, we have all the tactical stuff, all the pistol and carbine stuff and all the shooting piece. And uh, Raul Martinez runs most of that for us. And he has mobile training teams that go all over the country, mostly ex-cops or ex-military guys. And they teach that stuff because th those are important skills too. But, on this side of the house, excuse me, um, 
we're based in, in Heber, Utah. We moved the company from Arizona. Um, and on this side, we're very, very much uh, focused on family preparedness, um, which incorporates all the other things, survival skills, medical skills, um, defensive driving, overland driving, land navigation, all that type of stuff that you know families really, really should know. So we, we made a deliberate effort to be more inclusive of families and to be more inclusive of females. We have some female instructors. We're uh, teaching you know, family readiness, um, canning and jarring, growing your own food, all that kind of self-reliance stuff that used to be the normal in this country. And we've gotten so cushy that we've gotten away from it. So that's kind of the direction we've moved because that was the pulse of the nation, like I said, and there's an absolute requirement for it. And there's a requirement for it to be taught in a way that's not geared to, um, you know, special operations guys or, or, or the prepper guys, just just normal family stuff. So um, when if bad things happen and you need to upgrade your situation, you have those skills, those survival skills, you know, making a shelter, trapping food, skinning an animal. They were just life skills in the 1800s. Um, if you didn't know how to do those things, you died pretty much, uh, especially out here. And uh, now they're, they're like survival skills because we've gotten so cushy in our lives, but they're, they're very important skills for people to, to, to know. And one of the, one of the really, uh, um, one of the things we've gotten the most feedback about, and one of the things that's most popular is land navigation. We started teaching land navigation. We're teaching an online course and we teach it at our, our facility and people love it, man. It's such a cool skill to know. And uh, it, it's almost like a dying skill but uh, we're, we're re revamping and bringing back all those kind of older type life skills for families. I, I love it, man. And yeah. I started and I started watching your YouTube and I start going down the rabbit hole. <laughs> and uh, like last week was the ham radio. Yeah. I'm like, I never thought about it. And I'm oh. like, huh? Yeah. So now I'm like, I'm getting my ham license, like the general one. And then I'm like, I'll get the tech and then I'll, I'll be like the general. And I ordered the ham radio. So I'm like stuff like that, but it's just communication. Yes. And I'll do a case in point, like me, law enforcement for, for 20 something years, military background, infantry, blah, 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 blah. I rusty in a lot of different things. A couple of years ago, I love to put holes in paper. I love to shoot guns, but now it's, it's evolved. Mm -hmm. I have that, that skill set. And now I want to learn the stuff that, that has just been kind of way out there. I've never hunted before. I've always wanted to hunt and I want to hunt so I can learn how to eat and survive off of the, what's out there. Yeah. The other thing too is, is, uh, so with everything going on in, in the Capitol, and this is why the, with the ham radio thing came in. So my wife and I both worked in DC back in the day and both of our kids went to, um, went to childcare in DC. I worked on one end of the, the mall and she worked on the other end of the mall or on the opposite sides. And we're always like, and our kids went to daycare in between. And I always, always think like, okay, what happens? Cell goes out. Everything goes out. How am I going to go get my kids meet, link up with my wife and how are we going to egress out of the city? So mm -hmm. the first thing I bought back then before I even thought about ham radio was getting some two way walkie talkies with like a two mile range. But you and I both know that unless you're line of sight, you're not going to be able to ping. Yeah. When all this stuff happened at the Capitol, my wife gets deployed. She has to go to D.C. She's there working every day. 
How was she going to get out of this city? And when her and I had a discussion, I'm like, if shit hit the fan and you had to egress back to me and we had to find a couple link up spots on this side of the river because, you know, 9-11, you couldn't get out of the city. Yeah. Yep. So my first thought was, okay, I'm going to get ham radios. Mm-hmm. I'm a little too late. But that's the thing. It's a little too late. But maybe now I'll be prepared, prepping for the next yeah. type of thing. Yeah. It's and when you're talking about. Yeah. Right. Yep. So, you know, when you're talking about this preparing for families and stuff like that, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be like some right wing uh, guy that's going to go up in the mountains and you're going to be sniping ATF agents or anything else like that. No, it just means that you're preparing. And that's where like the like the field craft thing comes in, man. Let's talk about field craft. Mm-hmm. Field craft isn't just, you know, counterterrorism up. It isn't just throwing p- bullets and paper with, you know, the bad guy. And he's, he's got 17 hostages. Let's talk about field craft, man. Yeah, it, it's less and less that type of thing. Like like Mike started field craft, I think, four years ago. And uh, the goal and the mission statement is to prepare civilians for the worst case scenario. Now, the worst case scenario can mean a lot of things. But, you know, pe- people that... Uh, email me or DM me on Instagram and say, hey, I want to get better prepared. What course do you think I should take first? I say first aid. You yeah. need to know, you need to have some medical skills. You're much more likely to need medical skills than you are gunfighting skills. Thank God, right? Um, medical training, um, survival training, land navigation training, basic situational awareness. So what we just did about a week ago is we purchased a simulator. It's a three-screen simulator that runs scenarios, and we will have that at our facility. And and some other people have those simulators, but they, they charge exorbitant amounts of money to use them. Ours is going to be geared towards civilians, right? And the one we bought has, between shooting drills and scenarios, it has like 800 different drills or scenarios that you can run. And we will have the ability, because this was important to us, we will have the ability to use our to make our own scenarios. So we have a media team, and we will go film our own scenarios. And what we're going to use it for, so it's one main screen, and it has two side screens. It gives you that peripheral vision, gives you that immersion feeling. And there's a lot of people out there carrying guns. I'm a huge supporter of the Second Amendment, and I, th- and I think it's having grown up in, in a country where you couldn't get a gun, I think it's fantastic. But there's a lot of people out there, and you know this from your background, your, especially your law enforcement background, who just don't know where that line is when I will actually draw that gun and, and commit to, to what's coming next. Because if you draw too early, you've just escalated a situation that could have been de-escalated. And if you draw too late, you might get shot in the face, right? So yeah. people don't think about where that line is and where that, um, you know, a threat analysis and threat assessment and being in front of it so you're not caught behind it. So we will have the ability to run courses where we talk about mindset, we talk about threat assessment, we talk about, you know, fight or flight, we talk about, and it's geared towards civilians. So it'll be in our warehouse and we will run scenarios where, you know, you, you're, We'll, we'll bring a car in there and then we'll run a drill where you're getting out with your groceries and somebody confronts you. And, and there's so many different scenarios. And that, that's the great thing about simulators because your brain actually doesn't know the difference once you get caught up in it. And that there's so many lessons learned. So there's, there's lessons learned in gunfighting in you know, shooting and, and being proficient with a gun. But there's huge lessons on the other side in, in knowing when to draw that gun and yeah. when not to draw it and when to pre-stage so you're so you're ready 
And um, I, I think that's going to be super popular course as well. But again, it's geared towards families. It's geared towards, um, um, you know, people who don't think about that situational awareness in the same way that maybe military or special operations or law enforcement um, think about it. And, and it drives me crazy when people vilify law enforcement officers for making a split second decision. Mm -hmm to save their own life when they've never, ever had to do that. And they, they actually don't understand what goes into making that decision and, and crossing that line. Yeah, and, you know, I've seen law enforcement training uh, completely change since when I began in 2000. The Border Patrol, it seemed like all our scenarios were always shooting something, always shooting. Mm. Um, role players were shooting them. We're getting paintball guns out there, we're shooting them. Uh, but now I've seen over the years where it's more than likely you're going to be a not shooting situation yeah. and not unholstering your weapon and no need for it. You, how you could de-escalate it with your words. Yep. Now think about you and me, 20 something million years worth of experience, Mike and everybody else, where we can we could utilize a firearm. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I went and um, the other thing, too, is I bet that the family is uh you know, I went and became an NRA instructor just so I could teach CCW and teach basic firearms here. Mm -hmm. I did that a few months ago because I'm seeing so many civilians around my area on both sides of the aisle who have never picked up a gun, but they want a gun. Yes. Um, when I, In order to get the NRA basic cert, you have to take the basic course. 90% of the people in there never picked up a gun. Mm -hmm. Old people are in there, and you could tell that they probably voted for someone on a, another political spectrum than you did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but they they are thirsting for knowledge. Yep. But the only thing they see out there is in a movie is where if you have a gun, you pull it, you shoot it, you pull the yeah. trigger. Yeah. So scenario based stuff like you guys are doing is, is imperative, man. I think yeah. that's going to be a hell of a sale. Yeah, it, it's huge. It, it, it's uh, it's the next step for us, and um, we're gonna we're gonna kind of do a hybrid model. We're gonna do some simulations, um, some classroom and some simulator stuff all into one classroom, and uh, it, it, it's going to be fantastic. Um, I'm really excited, but that, but that's part of that move towards family preparedness. And, um, you know, we have Amber who, who does content from, for us. She, uh, she's a nurse. She, she homeschools her kids. She's very, um, preparedness minded and she does a lot of content. She'll be coming in doing seminars for us as well, because, you know, when it comes to teaching families, I'm not the guy, right? <laughs> I, I, I'm just not, I, I don't speak the same language, but Amber does. And, and we recognize that. And, uh, we have made, Again, in the last year, we've made a move towards almost softening the image of the company and, and catering to that demographic that's not the guy with the, the muscles and the sleeve tattoos and, and uh, on the range uh, doing transition drills like a badass, right? I, I, <laughs> I'm just I actually have no interest in teaching that stuff anymore. That tactical stuff, don't care. I'd yeah. much rather teach the other stuff. Survival, med, um, land navigation, preparedness, home defense in 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 not in, a, in a, a concept of your home is being attacked, but just yeah. in, in the concept of making smart choices and insecurity, mindset, and preparedness. My, and, you know, my, I like how you said that. You know, a lot of people think of their castle as their last line of defense. You're going to be behind your bed with an AR-15, and, and you got the 15,000 lumen flashlight, and your kids yeah. are behind you, and you're calling 911. But the thing is, the reality is, don't make your house your last yeah. line of defense. You know, yeah. make it so, hey, you know what? You put security stuff out there. Your doors are hardened up. Yeah. I tell people all the time, I'm like, your main goal is to get to that 9-11, 9-1-1, yep. make that phone call and, and 
protect yourself until they get there. Yes. Absolutely. And if they can't get there, have a fallback, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like I've heard Mike say before, you know, when it comes to survival, if you're naked in the woods, rubbing sticks together to make a fire, you've made a whole bunch of bad decisions <laughs> up to that point. Right. And it's the same thing. You make smart decisions to make yourself less of a victim and you have, so you, 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 you position your, your castle, you put security measures in place so they don't come to you to go to somebody else. The same thing. You go to the gas station, you don't have your uh, head in your phone while you're pumping gas. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe you do a little, if it's late at night, you do a little tour of the gas station first to make sure there's no kind of, you know, bad actors looking for a victim because that's what they do. They look for the, the, the lame gazelle on the Serengeti, man. They're looking for an easy victim to hit mm -hmm. and move. Don't become that victim. And it's all mindset, man. It's all mindset, situational awareness without being this crazy, oh, I always sit with my back to the wall and all this BS, you know? It, it's just, you know, making good decisions. I, uh, and you, but you know, a lot of times the posturing, and I like how you said it, don't you send it back to the wall. Don't posture. People are yeah. going to look for, Okay, if you're if they're gonna if there's an attack scenario and they're looking for someone that might be armed, that that old adage of being the gray man could be anybody. Yeah. I'm guilty, but I wear the 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 camo hats and stuff here and there. But just just don't stick out. Yeah. And like you said, don't be a soft target, man, because these predators are out there everywhere. They are they everywhere. Are. They are. They're looking for it, and you can, they can spot it a mile away. You know, they can spot the person who's. Um, you know, in their phone, like I said, have no situational awareness and are not paying attention to what's around them. And it's just it's just a little bit of training that will change that mindset. And that, that's our goal is to get families better prepared for, for something bad to happen. And you know what it is? Uh, it's mostly peace of mind for people, right? People, um, you know, they, they carry a med kit in their car and it's purely peace of mind. They might not know what's in it, but they carry it. Right. So one of the one of the goals in the, in 2021 that we've already started doing is that everything we sell on our website or in our store, we're opening up a store here in Heber in the next two weeks. Everything we sell um, like a med kit, for, for example. Right. You buy a med kit. There's a QR code in it. You scan it with your phone and it goes to a video of uh, Dr. Oh. Pete Chambers, who works for us that goes through every piece of that medical kit and how to use every piece. Same thing with a tourniquet, right? Um, you, you, you buy a tourniquet holder from us with a tourniquet, you scan the QR code, shows you there's a video on how to put on a tourniquet. Holster, you, you buy one of our holsters, scan the QR code, goes to a video of Mike Glover teaching you basic pistol safety. Hmm. Okay, I, I think the education piece is huge and it's overlooked. So you shouldn't have a medical kit in your car if you don't know how to use it or know what's in it. And the same thing with survival kits and the same thing with emergency kits in the back. So we've really, really, you know, pivoted and focused on that coming up. On We have uh, we have a lot of online training, too, uh, on our Locals channel. If you go to uh, fieldcraftsurvival.locals.com, there's a free side and paid side. The paid side has educational content. I'm doing like a six-part ballistics class in there. I'm doing a, a five- or six-part land navigation class in there. With your survival training, Mike's done pistol courses in there. That that's where all the really, really huh. good content is. Yeah, locals is, is fairly new to me. Literally last night I signed up for locals because I'm like, we need a place where we can put our content out there that mm -hmm. that's worthwhile. And you know, education is key. Yes. I I absorb YouTube like uh, as much as I possibly can. I can't watch regular news anymore. I'm always looking for education. Yeah. A lot of us are out there. There's, there's 
a hundred million people that want to learn about something new that's going to make them yeah. a protector of their family. I like how you bring up the med kits, man. That is huge. Mm. Um, one thing I always tell people whenever we go to the ranges, even if when I, we qual every quarter. So I always say, hey, you want if you're going to do a qual, practice your tourniquet every time, at least once you go to the range. Even now when you go to civilian range, every tourniquet's a little bit different. Get used to putting on where to put it up. Everything, and if you're going to do these QR codes, that's that's cutting edge, man. You guys are like really on the tip, and you're completely formulating it. When yeah. I like, I, I'll bring up the ham radio again thing. So Mike brings on a guest to talk about ham radio. I go look up that guest on YouTube, and he's like one of the the foremost professionals on. Ham never, radio. Yeah. He is so knowledgeable. Yeah, and, and I will admit it. You know, communications. I wasn't a commo guy in the army. I did a lot of commo training. But communications is one of my weaknesses, man. Civilians communication, especially, but mm -hmm. so important, especially like the, the scenario you brought up where something bad happens. Now the whole net is down and you have to contact your loved ones and, and, and you haven't pre-planned a, a rendezvous point. Freaking combo is huge. And there's so many aspects to this. We got content for years. I and know. It'll, man. It'll never, and, and where we lack expertise, because everybody lacks expertise, People tell you they're experts and all kinds of stuff. They're not, okay? They're making it up half the time, right? But where we lack expertise, we will bring in experts like that guy for the, for the ham radio. Mm -hmm. and we will pull all that information from him and uh, get it out there for people to digest. It's never been more important. Like 2020 was insane. It's not getting any better. It, 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 no. it may get worse from here. And I, I, I really don't believe in fear-mongering. But, but if you pay attention to what's going on, you can see the writing on the wall. And um, yep. it, it's not going to get better. So if, if you're, not, if you're a, not an asset, you're a liability. If you're not an yeah. asset to your family, you're a liability. And, you know, I, I do have to refresh my land nav skills. It's been, you know, if you're accustomed to an area, you know the landmarks and everything. But what if we did get out of here and we, and we start moving west or we start going south? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know the terrain out there. When was the last time I looked at a topo map? Do I have this? Do I have that? Um, as soon as COVID started happening, I started thinking about, okay, I better get out some old school maps. So I ordered a whole bunch of atlases for each of the cars. Yeah. And I started, you know, using the highlighter saying, okay, well, if we go up this way, everybody's going to be on that highway. They're going to want to get off. Mm -hmm. um, but getting old school maps out, just learning how to read a map. Everybody's so accustomed to these smartphones and GPS. Yeah. yeah. But, but like, like we grew up, uh, reading maps right not yeah. not even in the military but like everywhere before before the cell phone came out um and, and the gps um we, we use maps for everything right we we, we nap uh, young people today don't don't even do that everything's mm -hmm. on the cell phone so you'll see it when you when you teach land nav to a big group um people i was going to say older people but not even older people like people in their 30s who navigating in a car with an atlas and a map have yeah. a better grasp of it than people who've never ever ever done that younger people who've been on their phone since they were you know 15 or whatever um but yeah and, and having routes and having primary and alternate and contingency and emergency routes and and stuff like it's just smart planning like like there was um like, like not even 9 11 because that that was like a huge one but there was an outage i remember Maybe it was 10, 15 years ago in New York City. I don't know if you remember all the power yeah. now. Mm -hmm. And all the bridges were blocked and everybody had to walk home. Yes. And, and just having a bag maybe in your car, but you can't 
you can't drive, but maybe you have a bag in your car with comfortable shoes. And, you know, people call it a get home bag where yeah. you have the, the necessary water, shoes, a little bit of food. And you, you can you can uh, a map so you can get home to, to your uh, your castle and then upgrade mm-hmm. your situation. That type of I, I think with our backgrounds, that type of contingency planning is very normal for us, like everywhere we've ever went. We made plans. We made primary alternate contingency emergency plans. And I think it's so ingrained in us that we do it naturally sometimes. But it does um, it, it does force you to take a hard look at stuff and, and plan. And, and again, it's peace of mind. And it's the process that pays off. The actual plan you may never execute, hopefully. But the process of looking through all those contingencies is super valuable. But people just don't think that way because we've come... We've become so kind of tunnel vision, bro. Yeah, tunnel vision, lazy, uh, comfortable in our lives. But uh, you know, me and you have seen it that, that the world can change like that and go very, very bad. Like you look at Katrina. When in a couple of days of Katrina, people, you know, I, that's a that's a natural disaster that turned into a man-made disaster within a week. Right? I, uh... People were doing horrific things to each other, and and they weren't even a couple, more than a couple of days. Let me tell you this. I was, uh, so I was IRR. I get recalled. I get sent to Benning for a few months and then I get sent to Camp Shelby, Mississippi in the summer of 2005. Yeah. So right when I was in Katrina, literally in Katrina wow. and, uh, the Camp Shelby looked like the end of predator, which just looked like it got nuked. We didn't have power for like a month. Yeah. And we're the military. We're, you know, we're, you know, we get everything up and going, but around us, it was like chaos, man. Yeah. Like absolute chaos. Yeah. And that's when people, when you when you talk about firearms, people shooting people everywhere. Yeah. And it's not just you know civilian shooting people; it's law enforcement. It's everybody else that has a gun out there, and it's just mm-hmm. these it are doesn't the scenarios, man. It happens quickly, much more quickly than than people realize. Yeah. Yeah, and you're gonna have to realize that you know just because, and I, I'm not gonna throw any LEOs under the under the water here, but. You never know what's going to happen in certain situations, and you never know what's going to happen when you put someone feels like their life is in jeopardy. Yes. Yeah. So. I, I, but but like, you know, you you can have all the all the equipment prepped and everything, but when resources become scarce, yeah, people are willing to do a lot to feed their kids, right? So all those resources you have, if you don't have guns, bullets, and skills to protect them then you're probably going to lose them, right? Like your neighbor who's super cool and takes his kids to soccer practice, what would he be willing to do when his kids haven't eaten for a week? What would you be willing to do when your kids haven't eaten for a week? I mean, people are very, very, um, they they will turn violent very quickly because of that inherent um, instinct to protect our kids, right? Mm -hmm. So the world becomes very, very dangerous, very, very quick. And I don't mean mean the fear monger, but I've been in some bad locations in my life and I've seen people do horrific things and, and it, it could happen very, very quickly. Yeah. And Kevin, we didn't glaze over your, your background. Kevin has an incredible background. Um, you could Google him. You can go to Mike's, uh, you can go to Fieldcraft survival and check him out, but you have an excellent background. And that's one thing I want to talk about. You know, we talk about the protector. We talk about family transitioning. You know, that's, that's the last topic of the day is, transitioning into now having this civilian mentality of being the protector have you been able to fully transition yet and kind of like what's some what's some go-to things like 
for all the people out there getting out of the law enforcement realm, getting out of the military realm, getting out of being on like, you know, going, 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 and then coming back into this realm, what would kind of some of your advice be? Yeah. Um, so uh, real quick, like I did seven years in the Irish army, uh, two in the infantry and five in special operations. And then, you know, people have asked me, how did you go from special ops in Ireland to special ops in America? Well, there was a 10 year gap between that. That wasn't a jump, you know, um, that was a slog. Um, and then I went in, you know, I got out of the Irish army, did contracting for a year in Somalia. Then I went to the American army and did 24 years straight for lack of a better idea. <laughs> I probably should have got out of there earlier, but you get comfortable, uh, you know, in that world. But I did the uh, six years in the infantry and I did 18 in special forces. Right. So a couple of things that have really helped me in my transition and moving on. And I'm, I'm fully transitioned now. I actually I'm, I'm much more content than I was in the last, in a long time. Um, so a couple of things have helped me. Number one is um, when I jumped from one to the other, I had a place to go. I, you, you get these guys in special operations, these guys in law enforcement, these guys in freaking Delta Force and all these places. And they they, they go at a thousand miles an hour for their whole career. And then they get out and they go home and they sit and watch Netflix. And um, their world just comes crashing down because it's so alien to them. And then they pour alcohol on top of that. And it's it's a horrible combination. And it... it unfortunately leads to leads to a lot of suicides you get that lack of sense of purpose or that loss of sense of purpose you um you they, they fall into depression they pour alcohol on it and then they, they don't know what to do with themselves and they freaking eat a bullet it's horrible um i had somewhere to go as soon as i came i wasn't even out of the military and i was working for mike right so working for fieldcraft is very very much like being on a, on a sf team good camaraderie great bunch of guys very like-minded so i had somewhere to transition to number two i don't drink okay so uh everybody's like oh you're irish and you don't drink i'm actually american but i uh, i drank when i was younger i stopped drinking a very long time ago for my own reasons but i, I think that has really really helped me um not, not fall into those traps that that people fall into and uh when i was transitioning i, I was lucky enough like i i, I I worked a staff job for the last couple of years and I, um, I, I talked to a lot of guys who'd already retired because they work in the command and I gotten a lot of advice about how to retire and the process to make sure that you check all the boxes and you do the right thing to make sure that the military take care of you when you're out. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, that, that would be my advice to anybody getting out, go into your, your, uh, um, whatever they call the medical thing, Print off all your medical records. Everything. Yeah, and go through step by step and claim everything. Even if it, I have a bullet fragment on my left hand, you can see a scar right there. It doesn't hurt, but I claimed it. I didn't get any disability for it. But in five years, if I have arthritis because of that bullet that's still in there, I can claim that and get get uh, help for it, right? So you just, even if you're not having problems with it, you claim it as a as a uh, uh, you know previous injury or a previous problem and Put it on the table, let them decide whether they're going to give you like disability for it, but get it on documented. So if you have problems later on that you 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 uh, 
you have that in your records. I have two bulging discs in my neck. I've got a stress fracture in my back. Both my rotator cuffs are torn. I, I have a lot of wear and tear injuries because that career is very, very tough on your body. So, but that would be my advice. Get in, go through your medical records with a fine tooth comb start a year and a half out. And then make sure you document everything. The guys in SF especially are notoriously bad for not going to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I got that bullet fragment in my hand, my freaking medic picked part of it out, right? And um, th- th- so I went to the doctor and they're like, you have not like been to the doctor in 10 years. You know what I mean? I'm like, I, I have a medic on my team. And, and they-, they actually scorned me. Like the doctor scorned me and started talking mm-hmm. down to me. And I was in PT's. So he didn't know what rank I was. So I freaking detonated on him, which is not a good idea. But um, yeah, don't talk down to me. You know, he said to me at one point, oh, uh, it's kind of funny how these injuries are coming up now and they haven't come up for 15 years. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, I was busy fighting two wars. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you, you've got to get ahead of it. You've got to get that. You, you, you've done the work. Um, make sure you're, you're, you're medically taken care of before you step out into the civilian world. It'll make your transition so much smoother. And uh, you, you, you've done it. You, you deserve um, to be taken care of. Don't There's a time to be a stoic warrior. When it comes yep. time to documenting your medical injuries, document, document, document. You know, just do it. And if you have, get buddy statements. Yeah. While you're in with those people, then get a statement from them. That's to everybody out there right now. And this is in the LEO world too. If you're the Fed, file a CA1. If you're in a local state PD, do the same thing. And emergency responders as well. We all come up with injuries, your back injuries. You're wearing duty belts all the time. You're doing this, you're doing that. Don't be the stoic warrior. You have dedicated your life, or at least that bookmark of your life, for the military or for anything else, being a protector. Uh, you know, just do it. You know, brother, I mean, it's just so many people are like, well, you know, uh, I just broke my finger and it's like still twisted back. And they're like, <laughs> you know, you, you can't yeah. write a sentence. Yeah. I, I mean, I, it's getting better now, but a lot of guys got out early on, like um, special operations guys to get out, you know, 2005, 2006, 2007. And they just wanted out. And they were like, yeah, whatever. And they got 20 percent disability. Well, mm-hmm. they're going back now trying to fix that. And it's yep. so much harder once you're out. And you go back trying to prove that it's service connected when you've been out for 10 years. Get it done. Get it. Get, yeah. Suck it up. Um, the, art, the military does give you time. They give you a year to retire. Um, you can start the process long before that. And uh, you, you, will, you owe it. I mean, you owe it to your family. And um, mm-hmm. you, uh, you, you've earned it. Absolutely, brother. Mm-hmm. Well, Kevin, we have a lot to talk about. And... Right, I got to tell you guys a quick story before we got on. I'm like, Kevin, we're going to talk about 15 minutes. I always tell all the guests that because the protectors, we can run 10 minutes, we can run 15 minutes, we can run an hour. We've been talking for a while now, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and we could probably talk for an, like another hour. That's why we're going to have another show. We'll do a, like a little uh, field craft roundtable. I think that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, cool, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, brother. Thanks. There we go. Bye.